How can we live for God in difficult times? Find out in today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, joined with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we are honored to be with you today. It's clear that our society is facing challenging times, with many referring to our world being in the last days. Today, we talk with Dr. David Reagan regarding how we can live for Christ in the end times. Let me share a little bit about Dr. David Reagan. Dr. Reagan is host of Lamb and Lion's weekly television program, Christ in Prophecy, that is broadcast nationally to 110 million homes in the United States and internationally to every country of the world. Dr. Reagan is also editor of the prophecy magazine, Lamplighter, and the author of numerous books on Bible prophecy. Dr. Reagan, welcome to A View from the Wall. Well, thank you, brother. It's uh, always a joy to be with you. I think the highest of I Am a Watchman Ministries. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, we really appreciate you and some of the work you've done over the years. Today, we want to talk about some information from a book you have written called Living for Christ in the End Times. And though this title has been out for a while, its contents address many of the events taking place in our society today. So let's start by sharing how this book connects with some of the things taking place in America. Uh, Tell us a little bit about some of the things you see. Okay, well, uh, let me just uh, explain something about the background of this book. Uh, I wrote it in 1999 for publication in the year 2000, the beginning of the century. And it was called Living for Christ in the End Times, and the subtitle that I wanted was coping with anarchy and apostasy. I submitted that to the publisher, and they said, no way, Jose, absolutely not. We will not have that as the subtitle because that's too radical. We are not that far along in America today, the disintegration of America, to be talking about anarchy and apostasy. And I said, well, you guys don't know what's going on. (laughs) So the one thing publishers control is the cover of the book and the titles. Yes. So they published it with this title. Living for Christ in the End Times, and the subtitle was totally meaningless. It said, Balancing Today with the Hope of Tomorrow, whatever that means. (laughs) So in 2015, when I decided to put out a second edition of this book, I uh, pulled the copyright, because I have it, I pulled it from the publisher, and we published it ourselves. And I put the subtitle on there that I'd wanted from the very beginning, Coping with Anarchy and Apostasy. And I don't think anybody who knows what's going on in America today is going to argue now with those subtitles. The church is up to its ears in apostasy, and we can see anarchy on the streets every day. It's continuing to this very day I'm talking to you. Dr. Reagan, most of our listeners recognize you from Lamb and Lion Ministries or from conferences that they've attended where you've spoken, but many of them may not know that you also traveled over Southeast Asia during the 60s as a Fulbright lecturer at the University of the Philippines, lecturing on U.S. foreign policy on behalf of the U.S. Information Agency. So given the current political situation and where we stand as a country, from that unique perspective— how is the U.S. foreign policy viewed internationally today? Oh, uh, we are viewed very negatively on the international scene. And the reason for that, it doesn't have anything to do with the riots going on right now. The reason we are viewed so negatively is because President Trump 
has rejected the one world mentality. The whole world is caught up in that. You've got uh, uh, regional uh, organizations like uh, the European Union. You've got international organizations like the UN and the World Health Organization and so forth. And President Trump has reverted back to nationalism, putting America first, and has rejected this concept of getting us involved in all of these one world organizations. And and I'm uh, very uh, supportive of that because the Bible is very much opposed to one world organizations. Uh, When that happened originally at the Tower of Babel, God was so outraged by the whole world coming together and trying to challenge him that he confused their languages and spread them all over the world. And it is God's purpose for nations to be existing individually and not for us to be putting our minds together and having international and regional organizations, because when we do that, the arrogance of man triumphs, and uh, these organizations always reject God. So the world is very angry at Trump right now and at the United States of America because we are not cooperating with the one-world mentality. Well, that's very true, and you see that in so many ways right now. We have a global pandemic that's influenced society, not just here in America, but worldwide, and people are being told to stay at home. There have been different lockdowns and quarantines, and even many events that we have seen as just traditions, whether it's going to church on Sunday or conferences like the ones that you hold for your organization have been affected or canceled or postponed to different dates. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the conference that you typically have during this time of year and what's being done now to kind of uh, move forward into a a new phase where we're trying to deal with overcoming the pandemic and and move forward to the next stage here. Well, we um, have some regional conferences during the year, and then we have our annual conference, which attracts about 2,000 people. The annual conference this year was scheduled for the end of June, and we had to... uh, cancel it because of the regulations here in Texas regulating distancing and so forth. And we just simply are not rescheduling that conference. We have tentatively rescheduled a conference entitled What on Earth is God Doing? with a group of outstanding speakers, and it's to be held hopefully in mid-October. But again, we will not hold it if the social distancing rules are still in effect. So we're not going to make a final decision about that until the end of August. And the way things are going right now, I suppose we'll probably have to cancel that one as well. The pandemic, as you well know, is just upsetting everything and all people's plans. So, you know, the very first question you asked me had to do with this living for Christ in the end times. And I told you the background for the book, but I really didn't respond to your question. Your question was, what what should Christians do as we cope with anarchy and apostasy? Right. And so what I do is I open this book by talking about the collapse of society and the apostasy in the church, which is just horrible. And um, then the second part of the book is all about what Christians should do in response to that. And what I, I have 10 chapters of what people should do in response to the collapse of society and the apostasy in the church. And the chapters read like this, stand on the Word of God, believe in the power of God, rely on the Holy Spirit, practice tough faith, order your priorities, keep an eternal perspective, stand for righteousness, persist in prayer, surrender in worship, and cling to hope. And I have a rather substantial chapter on each one of those. And one in particular that always really gets a lot of response out of people is the one on keeping an eternal perspective because it's very, very important we do that. 
when you see everything falling apart around you, everything, as we're seeing right now, seeing our beloved America just tearing itself apart and see the church drowning in apostasy, uh, it, it's hard to keep an eternal perspective. So what I tell people to do is the best way I know to, to handle that is to read Psalm 2. Psalm 2 was written 1,000 years before Jesus was born, written by David, probably when he was a shepherd boy. And it starts off by telling how all of the world seems to be in rebellion against God and his anointed one. No difference from today. All the nations of the world are in rebellion against God, including our nation. And then it says, but God sits in the heavens and laughs. Now, he's not laughing because he doesn't care. He's laughing because he has it all under control. God has the wisdom and he has the power to orchestrate all the evil of mankind and all the evil of Satan to the triumph of Jesus Christ. So when I get down and I get discouraged and I think there's no hope, I go to Psalm 2 and I realize, man, we're on the winning side. God is in control. He can orchestrate all this to the triumph of Jesus. He sits in the heavens and laughs at the foolishness of man. Well, that's well said. And we'll talk more about some of these Christian responses when we come back in just a moment on A View from the Wall. Stick with us. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. The book of Deuteronomy opens with these words, The Lord our God spoke to us at Mount Horeb, saying, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. For most believers, there comes a point when God says, Okay, you've been there long enough. You've rested long enough. You've thought about it, prayed about it long enough. It's time to go. It's time to do. Watchmen, the hour is late. Our focus must be on winning the lost and preparing the world for the imminent return of Christ. Is the Lord saying to you, you have stayed at your mountain long enough? Is the Spirit nudging you to take a step of faith? Be sure and visit the imawatchman.com website for resources that can help you witness and serve Him today. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan along with Joe, and we've been talking with Dr. David Reagan, who's the author of Living for Christ in the End Times. I love some of these things that we were talking about just before the break, these 10 responses to living in a pagan world. And you talk about eternal perspective there as one of those. And I want you to talk a little bit more about some of the key scriptures that you point out in terms of keeping an eternal perspective as we live in these last days. Well, the Bible <laughs> is literally full of them, and, and, and particularly the uh, the New Testament over and over talks about how we are to keep our mind on heavenly things that we are to. And in fact, my chapter is just full of of um, all kinds of Bible references. I, I, I don't write without referring to Bible references, and that chapter is just full of them about how the Bible tells us that we are to keep our, eye, uh, our hearts on the Lord, our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, that we're to keep an eternal perspective. Incidentally, um, one of the things that, that I run into all the time, and I'm sure you folks do at I Am a Watchman, and that is that uh, when you start talking about uh, keeping an eternal perspective and you start talking about 
an, a pre-tribulation rapture. One of the arguments that opponents to that always come up with is they say, well, the problem with you guys who have this or, or focusing on heaven and looking toward heaven and you're uh, looking toward the pre-tribulation rapture is that you don't care anything about what's going on here on the earth. You've washed your hands of it. You've just said it's in God's hands and you're just going to sit back and wait for the rapture to come. I hear that all the time. In fact, uh, uh, Michael Brown, who is one of the foremost uh, messianic uh, uh, writers in America today, a man I highly respect, recently published a book in which he made that argument against the pre-tribulation rapture and against those of us who put so much emphasis on heaven. Well, let me tell you something. Tim LaHaye was probably the most important advocate of the pre-tribulation rapture and eternal perspective in modern times. And yet he was one of the founders and leaders of the moral majority, which was aimed at getting America politically back on a moral path of Judeo-Christian principles. His wife, Beverly, was the founder of Concerned Women of America, which was the female equivalent. And you can't find two people who fought longer and harder in the political realm the social realm, as well as the spiritual realm. The argument that those of us interested in heaven and interested in eternal perspective and pre-trib rapture, that we just sit on the sidelines and do nothing, is absolute nonsense. It is a straw man argument that has no validity to it whatsoever. We teach, and I teach, that Christians, true Christians, not just professing Christians, but true Christians, we are to be salt and light to the world. If we don't stand up for righteousness, no one will. But we have to stand, and we need to put our faith in God and not in political parties. You know, in 20, in the last presidential election, Franklin Graham went to every state in the United States and held a prayer rally. Every state. I think it's the reason Trump was elected. He called people to come and pray with him, not for the Republican Party, not for Trump, but to pray that God would have mercy upon this nation and that the election would result in uh, a stoppage uh, of this nation rushing head-on into immorality and violence and so forth. Well, his prayers were answered. But the interesting thing is that at every rally without exception, he began the rally with these words. I have no faith in the Democratic Party. I have no faith in the Republican Party. My faith is in Jesus Christ and him only. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to put our faith in the Lord. We've got to be praying for this nation. But we shouldn't be put our faith in political parties. Certainly one party might be better than another on issues all over. But there are problems with both parties. There's problems with both of the, with politicians. And we shouldn't put our faith in politicians. Our faith should be in the Lord Jesus Christ in preaching the gospel and using the gospel to, to change people's hearts. You know, right now people are yelling racism all over our nation. Racism is a sin. It is rooted in the sinful nature of man. All the laws in the world will not do away with racism. All the societal changes will not do away with racism. It is an element in the human heart. And the, the best way to counter it is through the preaching of the gospel. But that doesn't mean that's all we do. Certainly, we stand up and speak out in behalf of society and the changes that need to be made. I'm glad you addressed those practical tips, Dr. Reagan, because we don't want to become that group that only focuses on, you know, the old hymn, this world is not my home, yeah. but we 
don't live there right now. Right now we live here and we have responsibilities as Christians. And you address some of those in how we respond to racial issues, how we respond in elections. What are some of our responsibilities as Christians this year? Right now, one of our responsibilities is to be very discerning about what's being preached at our churches, to make sure that we stand up and speak out in a kind and loving manner to the leaders of the church if we suspect and and sense any kind of apostasy creeping into the church. Our churches today are just being bombarded with apostasy. The most popular idea among evangelicals today is the idea that there are many roads to God. We have just sold out on that. And so we say, well, we want to be tolerant, and therefore if we want to be tolerant, we've got to realize that that the, uh, the Muslims have their ways, the Jews have their ways, the Buddhists have their way, and we have our way. No, there's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. And we cannot compromise on that. And yet it's being compromised all over the place. We need to stand for what is right, not only with regard to the fundamental uh, issues of, of uh, Christianity, like the virgin birth, the inspiration of God's word, things like that. We also need to stand for righteousness. And that means, for example, speaking out against abortion, speaking out against same-sex marriage and the perversions of the, of the uh, sexual perversion movement. And yet all across this nation, almost every day, I'm finding some Christian, particularly in the limelight, like Christian sports stars, Christian actors, Christian uh, singers, who will speak out against abortion or speak out against same-sex marriage and immediately they are condemned, and immediately they back up, apologize, and say, well, you know, I, I really don't, I don't want to be tolerant. I didn't really mean that. that. That's not what this society needs. This society needs a strong church that is speaking out in no uncertain terms about the evil, the violence, the immorality, and also willing to speak out about apostasy in the church. And yes, it's going to result in backlash. It's going to result in persecution. But blessed are those who are persecuted for the, Jesus' sake. That is a good way to put it. I think it's clear that in the New Testament we are told that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we should expect that. We should not be afraid of it, but boldly speak out on these issues that we are talking about today. We'll be right back with more here on A View from the Wall. The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming, a time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with Him. But to receive this new life, there are three things we must do the ABCs of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner and that you need a savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive his grace. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that he is Lord and God. C, commit to walk his path, the path he wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit amiraptureready.org.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we've been talking with Dr. Reagan about his book, Living for Christ in the End Times. He has 10 great chapters responding in ways that we should be speaking out and living the gospel in these end times. And one of those he talks about, the very final one, is this issue of hope. And we want to talk about this idea of clinging to hope because in the last few months, most people have had a few of those days where we feel like we're barely holding on and hope is in short supply. So talk a moment to those people who are struggling with hope today, perhaps those who know Christ as well as those who do not. That is one of the most important reasons why people should study Bible prophecy. There's many reasons, but that's probably one of the most important is because Bible prophecy provides hope. And since Bible prophecy is almost completely ignored in churches today, most people just don't have much hope. You ask them, what is your hope? Well, go to heaven. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Are you going to have a body? Are you going to have a name? Are you going to be floating around with a cloud playing a harp? Are you going to be a spirit? Are you going to be a person? They don't know because they have not been taught Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy provides the hope for the future. The fundamental message of the book of Revelation is that we, the redeemed of Christ, win in the end. We win in the end. Jesus is coming. He is going to pour out the wrath of God upon those who have rejected the grace, mercy, and love of God. He's going to establish a thousand-year reign from uh, Jerusalem, and the whole world is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice. Then we're going to live forever on a new earth in glorified bodies that'll be immortal and never be sick again. And we're going to live in those bodies in a new Jerusalem in the presence of God who's going to come down to earth and live in our presence, it says in the book of Revelation. That's hope. It's tremendous hope. I have a wife who's in her ninth year of dementia. Now, you talk about something difficult to deal with. She has a particular type of dementia called Benson syndrome. And because of that, she can no longer see. She goes blind. She went blind. She can no longer talk. She can no longer walk. She can hardly understand anything. I go each day. I spend an hour with her. And I read to her from the scriptures and pray with her. And I always end by saying, and I want to remind you of our scripture of hope. And the scripture of hope I give her every day is Romans 8, verse 18. And if your listeners should write it down, Romans 8, verse 18. And that verse says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. And Paul said it in a different way over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the mind of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But the next verse says, but he has revealed these things through his spirit. The problem is most people don't know what he's revealed through the spirit and his word about the future. And so therefore they have very little hope. Dr. Reagan, you've been on the program before, so you know we like to wrap up each discussion with a word of encouragement and challenge directly to our watchmen and women, those who watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well in these last days. Amid the anarchy and apostasy as you've described it, what's the word for our watchmen? The word for the watchmen is to truly be watchmen. They need to be watching not only what's going on in their church, they need to be watching what's going on in society. They need to be speaking out about any apostasy that uh, slips under the rug at their church. They need to be talking about any uh, uh, rejection of Judeo-Christian principles that are occurring in their particular city or their state. We need to be speaking out. We need to be light. We need to be salt. And we don't need to be hiding under a blanket. 
Well, that's so well said. And for those who may not be familiar with Dr. Reagan's ministry, if you go to ChristandProphecy.org, you can find out more about their television program and their other events, as well as the book that we talked about today. And I guarantee you, if you go there and you check out some of the resources they have, you will be encouraged, you will be equipped, and you will be able to walk stronger in your faith as we've been talking about here today. We do have a little bit more time left today here, Dr. Reagan. I would like for you to share a little bit more about some of the things God's doing through your ministry and ways that we could be praying for you as we wrap up our time together today. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your kind comments. And and uh, I, I just want to say something about your ministry, and that is that I greatly respect you guys, and you are truly watchmen. You are watchmen in every sense of the word. And I, I just pray that God will continue to bless you, continue to magnify your voices as you call Christians all over this nation to join you in being watchmen. Uh, in our ministry, the... Uh, the main thing that we're doing right now is uh, focusing on uh, writing on the issues of society. How does the Word of God apply to this pandemic? How does the Word of God apply to the racism? How does the Word of God apply to the violence that we're seeing in our streets? And with regard to the pandemic, I just want to say that God never pours out His wrath without warning. He always warns. First, He will send prophetic voices. And if nobody pays attention to them, he will send remedial judgments to call people to repentance. Judgments like the Vietnam War, the um, 9-11 attacks, Hurricane Katrina, things of that nature. And I think this pandemic is a worldwide remedial judgment that God has placed upon the whole world, calling the world to repentance before he pours out his wrath. He is so patient. He is so kind. He is so loving. He does not want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. So he always warns and tries to call people to repentance before he pours out his wrath. And uh, I call people to start reading their Bible daily, start praying daily, and to draw near to God, not just to be religious, but to have a real spiritual awakening. Well, those are such powerful words, Dr. Reagan, and we appreciate you being with us again. If you would like to know more about his ministry, ChristandProphecy.org, and his book, Living for Christ in the End Times, is the one that we featured here today. You can find out more about it at their website, as well as IamAWatchman.com. We'd love to hear from you and talk to you more and help you out with the resources along the way. Join us next time here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.